Hi, I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. Don't, don't sit down, you guys know. She warned you. Put your hands out in front of you. Thank you, Father. Hmm. I was getting so touched in worship today. Actually, last night and today. It's just the nearness of his presence. And you guys know I love to start off every service by just saying, Holy Spirit, come. Because as near as he is, there's more. There's no end to his measure. So with your words, just invite him closer to you right now. Just say, Holy Spirit, come. There's nothing that we do that's more important than his presence drawing near. So, Father, thank you for your presence. And just come, God. Thank you, Father. Well, you may be seated. Um... Really excited about some. How many of you were here last night? A few of you. Okay. We had the honor of having a couple of guest worship leaders from the city last night. And it's, we've done this a couple of times. And we, we have started having some of the pastors in the area even come and just share. And I love what God is doing. I love the unity in this city with the churches, and I want more. I want to see more of that unity. I want to see denominational barriers broken. I want to see people that love Jesus coming together in their differences to promote the gospel and see this city impacted by his glory. And um, just wanted you to know, Joaquin hasn't actually been here at a Sunday service for quite a while speaking. I don't know how many of you have Notice that your senior pastor hasn't really been speaking on a Sunday. Um, most of you know some, okay. Um, but he's actually at River in the Hills this morning, another church in the city, and he's speaking there. And I just love that. I love that, that we have been asked to go and speak at other houses and pastors of other houses and worship leaders are coming to speak here. And it's this true unity that we're developing. But would you join with me right now? I just want to pray for Joaquin and River of the Hills. I want to pray for this city and the pastors and what God is doing in a city, in a body, not just a house. So Father, we just thank you, God. We thank you for Joaquin. We thank you for what you're going to release through him today at River in the Hills. God, we pray that they would encounter a freshness of your presence this morning. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this city. We thank you, God, that you have a plan far greater than ours. And God, we say yes to that plan and we wanna do it together, God. 
Father, we love the churches of this city that are pursuing you in their unique and individual ways. And we say, bless them, Lord. Bless them in Jesus' name. You know, and worship this morning even, I just, I had this vision of when the pastors and the worship leaders and people of different churches are going back and forth today, I almost felt like I saw the hand of the Lord weaving a net. And it's like with, with all of the different churches, it's actually creating this place where his glory can actually be held. It's a container and it's the net that's gonna bring in the harvest. I felt like there's this uniqueness in the unity of the city that's actually creating something so special that invites him and invites people to know him in a very unique and special way. Thank you, Father. Mm. Let's see how far I get through this today. Um, I've got the privilege of speaking this morning on the word of God. Some of you seem real excited about that. You know, if I were to say, hey, we're going to preach on healing, people are like, yeah. The outpouring of a spirit, yes. More, Lord. The word of God. Isn't that a religious duty? I don't do well communicating through tears. When I get hit emotional, I kind of have to put a pause. I don't speak well through the emotion. And I had an encounter with God about a week and a half ago that... We'll see how far I get. See, a lot of times we approach the word of God as a textbook. We approach it for the information, the rules. Remember years back, God said the rules of religion become the, re- the pleasure of relationship. When you approach God as a rule and things that you have to follow, it feels constrictive. But when you recognize that those same things are actually an invitation for the pleasure of relationship with him, it changes things. And the purpose and the goal of reading the word of God is to actually get to know the author. It's not to get to know about what he says. That's a part of it. It's not about the the things he wants to see. That's all a part of it. But it's about getting to know him. Knowing the author of this beautiful word. John 1, it says... In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. How many of you have your Bible with you today? It's always embarrassing because when you don't, you're like, oh, darn. (laughs) Put your Bible in there if you have your Bible. If you don't have one with you, put your phone in the air because there's a Bible there. In our technology age, in our information age, in our fast-paced, get to, the sh- get to the place you're going with the shortest amount of resistance, we sometimes forget this. 
there's something special about this. Coming to church without your Bible is like going on a date without a date. Doesn't make a lot of sense. I want to challenge and encourage you right off the bat, start carrying this with you. Bring it to church. Get to know the pages. Don't allow me, Joaquin, or anyone else tell you about scripture and not be able to find it and touch it and know it yourselves. I want you to take your Bible right now or whatever you have and just put it on your heart. Father, thank you for the honor of your word. Thank you for the pleasure of your word. God, forgive me for taking it for granted, God. God, let the word, let this word pierce my heart. Thank you for my freedom, God, to be able to have your word. See, the word of God actually gives us a picture of the author. The word of God paints a beautiful picture of the living author. You do realize that he's not dead, right? This isn't a biography of a dead man. This is the story of a living God. John 1 also says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. <laughs> How will you recognize the living word in front of you if you don't have a picture to reference? If you don't know the word, you may not recognize when he's standing in front of you. There's a, there's a balance in our lives that we have to live where it's the presence of God and the word of God. Hopefully you understand they're not separate. They're two aspects of the same. And one will always validate the other. See, if I only go for spiritual things, I may be led astray because I don't have a foundation of truth to recognize what's right and what's wrong. Because there is a lot of spiritual, how many of you know that there's a lot of spiritual things happening out there? And if you don't know the truth, then the spirits may lead you astray. But I also don't want to only know the word of God up here and not have a relationship through the spirit of God. I don't want information without relationship and experience. But this will always validate the encounters I'm having and my encounters will always validate what the word says.
I've, I, a lot, over, over the years, I've had a lot of people ask a very similar question in a lot of ways. Because how many of us, I'm, I've been guilty of this multiple times in my life, probably this week. <laughs> Something bad will happen, you know, oh, it's the devil. How many of you know it's not always the devil? How many of you know that sometimes when you think a bad thing's happened, it's actually a different thing has happened and you've labeled it bad because it didn't fit your expectations? Sometimes bad things are actually the will of God moving us out of the direction we were heading because we were heading the wrong way. But if I don't know the word, I'm gonna blame the enemy. How many of you have things happen in your life? Something happens and you're like, well, I don't know if that's God or the devil. Anybody else ever been confused at that? You've got a crossroads and you're like, one's God, one's the devil. And we often take the one, the third road, which is in the wilderness. It's our road. The one that didn't listen to either voice. But how many times have you had that thought? It's like, oh, I just don't know if that's God or the devil. Well, if you don't recognize his voice, you're gonna be confused. You spend more and more time in this, those questions actually fade away. Does that mean they go away completely? No, I don't think so. But they are limited. And you begin to recognize the voice of the Lord. My kids know my voice. If there are a, a hundred men in a room and my girls are in standing and I say one of their names, they'll recognize it. Any other man in the room could say their name and they'd think, that's my name, but that's not my father's voice. Because they know my voice. They're in relationship with me. They spend time with me daily. Is that how we hear the voice of our father? It's so ingrained in our daily lives that we recognize the sound of his voice. I want, to hit a, I want to hit a couple of things about the word of God today that have just been stirring in me for a little while, but in this last week and a half, it's changed a lot of things. See, I often get into the word because of something I've read in a book, you know, something I've heard in a, in a sermon or a podcast or even something I've seen on social media or just a thought that goes through my mind. That's usually how I'm drawn into the word. Something is sparked and it makes me want to know more. People go to the word of God for a variety of reasons. I get encouraged to, do, to get into the word usually by a prompting of something that I'm like, I want more of that. And a couple things that I want us to think about in approaching the word of God, we actually need to have a daily discipline. I'm gonna confess something. As one of your pastors, I've not had a daily discipline in the word of God lately. Actually, regularly. Lately, I've had a very disciplined life. But it's not the norm for me. See, I've, I've had a lot of encounters with the Lord. I, I see things in the spirit quite clearly sometimes. I hear things. 
I'm very sensitive to his presence. And I'll be honest that coming here to Austin to help with this church, I had to remind myself frequently not to get into this for your sake. Because I would get into the word for you to find a sermon, to find encouragement, to, to, to find revelation for you. And I actually began to slowly forget to get into it for him and for me. I still did, but not in the frequency I used to. It's funny, when church becomes your job, you begin to actually lose a lot of the personal relationship that you once had when you got into it. It's a real battle. Pray for your leaders. They need the encouragement. They need the uplifting. They need the strength. They need to be girded up by the people that they're leading and the people that they love. And I want you to read some of these things on your own. I want you to find some of these things. But a discipline in reading the word. There should be a discipline. Does that mean you're going to feel good when you read it all the time? No. Does it mean you're going to get revelation? Maybe, maybe not. It's for no other reason than actually living a life that's disciplined in the relationship. Ephesians 6. There's verses in these chapters. Acts 17. 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 3, Psalm 1, Matthew 4. Those are just some. There are verses throughout those scriptures that will help you understand the value of being in the word daily, being in the word consistency, consistently and disciplined. I remember when I first got saved, I did this religiously and it was amazing and I haven't done it for a long time because I got mature enough to not have to do that anymore. How many of you have ever done that? When you first got saved, there were things you did because they were just, yes, great habits, but then you get mature enough to not have to do those habits. Yeah, that was, that was a special kind of stupid mistake I made. But there's a simple way to get into the word. Because a lot of people, well, I don't know what to read. I remember people just said, well, just open it up and start reading. I'm like, they killed a nation. That, I don't know about that. That didn't feel good today. That does work a lot of times, but that didn't work for me as much. But how many of you ever heard the, read a proverb a day? There's 31 proverbs. That means half the time you won't read the last one. And one time, every three or four years, you won't read the last two. But you read the same proverb 12 times throughout a year. Proverbs is the book of wisdom. It actually is a blueprint for how your life can and should be lived. What if you actually read a proverb a day? Because you just do it by the date. It makes it easy. It's kind of like a color by numbers. It works really easy. <laughs> Reading a proverb a day, even if you feel like you got nothing out of it, it's getting in you. 
How many of you have ever eaten a meal and you're like, that wasn't really that good? But your body body got nourished by it. It doesn't always have to feel or taste amazing for it to actually do something in my body. And on that topic, watch out what you're reading. Because there's also, also things you eat that actually do damage to your body. And some of us spend more time reading social media comments, more time reading the news, more time reading things that lead us to a place of seeing what's not happening and what God is not doing. And that's poisonous to your soul. You should also have relational reading. And what I mean by that is, I have a relationship with my father. I have a relationship with God. I have history with God. I read relationally on top of the discipline to connect with the father. See, I know people that don't read, but they love the presence. I feel like reading is the relationship, the day-to-day relationship. The presence is the experience and the feeling, the amazing touch of his presence. But if you're only going after the presence and you're never reading the word, there's a word for people that like the experience but not the relationship. Read relationally to get answers. Come with questions. Read to learn about him and about yourself. Read for intimacy. Read for relationship. Read for direction. Read for correction. All of that is part of the relationship with God. It's meant to be an invitation that you would experience a piece of the kingdom that you've never experienced before. You guys doing okay? You guys are very quiet. I remember when I first got saved, there was an encounter that happened to me because of the word of God. I was raised Catholic and I read as much of the Bible as I was forced to by the priest just being honest. And I read it as a history book and the do's and don'ts. There's nothing wrong. I I have nothing wrong with Catholics. There are things that I don't agree about a lot of different religions. And there's things I disagree with about myself when I look in the mirror sometimes. It's okay. They love Jesus. They acknowledge Jesus as the Lord and Savior. But growing up with that, I didn't really have a knowledge of the word of God. And there were a lot of things left out in the Catholic teaching that I didn't know about. Just about everything with the spirit of God today. But I remember when I first got saved, I had moved up to Northern California and I was quickly part of a young adults group. 
And I go to this young adults group and give some context. Literally the week before I had been water baptized in the river where we lived. So we're at this college age group, young adult group at these people's house and everybody's around and we're just praying and everybody's just praying. I'm not praying. I did not pray at this time. I was terrified to pray because I was afraid I'd get it wrong. But I did, not, I did not pray out loud. Like amen was about the longest prayer you would hear me say. And I remember we're standing there and we're praying and we're praying and we're praying and we finish and this young lady walks, I mean, she just walks right, beelines right for me and she goes, hey, have you been baptized? I'm like, yeah, thinking, that's a very odd question to ask right at the end of his prayer time. And she was like, oh, okay. And she walked away and I'm thinking, did it not work? Like, <laughs> is there something still on me? I went into a river. There was a pastor that put me under. I think he held me down for a while. Said a lot of things needed to die. But um, I'm, I just, I really, I had this, why would she ask such a random question at the end of a prayer time? So I walk over and she's sitting on a couch with these two guys and they've got their Bibles open. And I go, hey, just out of curiosity, why did you ask if I'd been baptized? And she goes, oh, you weren't speaking in tongues. And I remember thinking, I, I only know how to speak with my tongue. I, I don't know how else to speak. I literally had no idea what she was talking about. I did not know about speaking in tongues in the Bible. I had no idea what it was. Speaking in the Spirit, no context. So another, you weren't speaking in tongues. It was like, again, have no idea why you're asking these questions or saying these things. She goes, oh, have you never been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I'm thinking, I didn't know that was a thing. So they open the word and they just start reading scripture after scripture between the three of them about praying in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm listening and they're like, do you want us to pray for you? And I'm like, yes. This is the way Eddie Tate is wired. If it's in here, it's an invitation. It's a little scary for people wired like me because I read you can walk on water and I've tried. I've fallen in several pools. I've done the crazy things in the Bible. Some of them I don't want to say because it scares people when I talk about them. But if it's been written in here and it's been done, to me, it's like, oh, we can do that. So they're like, do you want us to pray for you? I'm like, oh, yeah. They said it could. And I'm literally thinking, because one of the verses, I'm like, they're going to be a little fireball above my head. This is awesome. <laughs> my heart was stirred because of the truth of the word of God. And I knew nothing in that moment except I'm allowed to have this. Just to add to the story, it's a little funny. Most of you that have been in church for a while have probably experienced this. They spent the next five to 10 minutes, well, five to six minutes, pretty much prepping me for it not to happen. 
You ever had anybody do that? Hey, we're gonna pray for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, it may not happen right away. I mean, they're going through all the, you might say banana backwards, it'll get you started. And they just, they went through all of the reasons. And if it doesn't happen now, just it might happen. And I'm in my mind, very polite and Christian-like. I'm thinking, shut up and pray. I'm already excited, I'm ready. Don't tell me this is probably not gonna happen. So finally, I remember them starting to say it. And I kind of knew where they were going. And they're like, okay, we're going to have you raise your, that's about as far as I got. And I knew they were going to have me raise my hands. And as I raised my hands, and it just erupted out of me for two and a half hours, uncontrollably speaking in tongues. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was actually slain in the Spirit, which I didn't even know what that was. I was drunk in the spirit because I knew what drunk was. I just didn't know how good it could be because it was the real drunkenness, not the one I found before. They had to pick me up, put me in a car and drive me to the church because we were going as a group to the church for this big meeting and they had to pull me out of the car, laid me down in front of the pastor and I'm just sitting there speaking in tongues and he went, what happened there? The word of God should do something in you that says, if it's in there, it's possible. And I'm going to apprehend it because it's an invitation. Thank you, Father. How many of you know that there is a difference between what's true sometimes and truth? True is often our circumstances. They're what we know because of what's going on. But then there's truth which supersedes that. I, I would say everyone in here at one point has probably been in an experience or a part of your life where what was true did not line up with the truth. But that's when you get an opportunity to make a decision. What am I going to believe? Am I going to believe what's true? It's going around right here because it is true. It's happening. Or am I going to believe more on what's truth? Because what he says is always the greater revelation of what's truth. And we all have the tendency to reject new ideas or a new revelation of truth. Or even what we know. And sometimes we can be closed off to new truths. How many of you are parents in here? If you haven't already learned this, this will make sense to you. Whatever a child's first, and first encounter is with a truth, an experience, is what they're going to base all other information on and filter through. Now, it can be changed, but whatever that first information is that you receive, that's your baseline of truth. You guys understand that? So, side note, so parents, don't let the world be the first information of truth to your children. Don't be afraid of hard topics because the world isn't afraid of them. 
and they're actually speaking the wrong version of things. Lay a foundation in your children young enough, even when it feels like they're too young for that. Trust me, the world isn't waiting until they're old enough. Lay the foundation of truth, truth in their lives to where they filter whatever else they get through that. But we, as adults, mature into pride and mature into stubbornness when it comes to new truths. How many of you have been set in your ways and then at some point found out you were wrong? About four of you, that's awesome. The rest of you, bless you. You must be the Lord here in this room. Um, In Luke 5, it talks about old wineskins and new wine. No one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins and both are preserved. No one having drunk old wine immediately desires new for he says the old is better. Such a beautiful representation of how we sometimes approach our understanding of something to a new truth that comes to us. And sometimes we want to hold on to a little bit of what we've got and make sure that the new stuff fits in with it. That's new wine in a new in an old wineskin. See, a lot of times, like wine, new information or a fresh revelation is going to come not real developed or mature. It actually has to be in you a while. See, wineskins, they would put unfermented fruit juice into wineskins, and then it would ferment and expand the gas, and it would just grow and expand in the wineskin. How many of you have ever had a new thought or idea come and you're like, I don't know, it just, it doesn't seem, and then as time goes on, all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, I get it. That's, that's that information fermenting inside of you. Again, it's what's true versus truth. We have to be willing and able to allow ourselves to be changed by the fresh revelation of the word. And we can't let our knowledge of things be so set that it doesn't allow fresh encounters of revelation to adjust our understandings that changes us. Hmm. I'm gonna go through this a little bit fast right now because we're getting a little short on time, but I've got a challenge for our house, for everyone that's in this room and everyone that's listening right now. I want you in the word of God. Get your discipline. If you don't know what to do, do a proverb a day, a proverb a day. But I want you to actually go to a specific place in scripture and I want you to read it relationally. It's, it's a really easy read, really short, Psalm 119. Those of you that have read it is why you're laughing. The rest of you are like, what's funny? 
It's the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. So I'm going to read it. Just kidding. I love part, Psalm 119, verse 160 says, the entirety of your word is truth. That means the parts that you don't like to read, you don't like to hear, the parts that don't line up with your values, the parts that don't line up with what somebody taught you, the ones that cut. Remember, the word is like a two-edged sword. It's supposed to cut. The word is living and should have an impact on us and it should change us. When you actually read Psalm 119, there are several words that are used to describe the word of God or the scriptures. The word law, the word word, statutes, precepts, testimony, commandments. There's several words. When you look at it, there is no verse or chapter in the Bible that talks about the word of God more than this chapter. Out of 176 verses, over 170 of them actually talk about the word of God with one of those words. It is going to do something if you go to it with questions. If you go to it open and saying, what is the role of the word of God in my life? And that's how you approach Psalm 119. I want to challenge this house to read Psalm 119 once a month. It actually only takes a few minutes when you read it, but it's taking the time to read it. John 8, if you abide in my word and you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. To abide means to reside or to stay, remain, continue, or wait for, expecting something in the future. See, abiding isn't just sitting. It's actually sitting with expectation. We need to live from the word instead of to the word. See, we often go to the word to validate a thought, an idea, or just to make sure that, hey, am I doing okay? When instead of going to it to make sure, we should be living from it, and then we are sure. This means that the word of God in your heart and abiding in his word sets you up to believe for whatever he's about to do next. Now I'm going to try to get through this. My entire life, I've never had an encounter in the middle of my sleep that I woke up in the middle of an encounter. Now I've had amazing dreams. I've had amazing things. I've actually woken up. Some of you know oil manifesting all over. I've had amazing experiences, but I've never woken up mid-encounter. And last week, it was Friday night after the Seder. <clears throat> I woke up Saturday morning weeping. Like I was just weeping. And I was weeping for the word of God. There was something in me that's like, I have to have the word. I've never thought of the word like that. I've wanted it. I've desired it. Anybody that knows me knows I love the word of God. 
I love the word of God. I know its value. I know its purpose. I have encountered the father in the word, but it's been in this relational like, hey, I'm sitting with my dad and he's talking to me. But something happened. I woke up and there was this, I mean, I was weeping. And I'd been crying for a while. My pillow was literally wet. And I had to have the word of God. I felt like if I don't get the word of God right now, I'm going to die. I have to have it. And I got up and I got my Bible out and I couldn't read it. The first word I looked at, I just wept. There was something so holy and intimate about the word in that moment that as much as I wanted it, I just couldn't even read it. But I had to have it, so I just held it. Literally just held it. And I sat there for about an hour. It was like four in the morning that this happened. And finally, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna try again. I couldn't, I couldn't even look at a word. It just, and I feel like I got robbed a little because I got really sick Saturday night. I feel like it was an attack, a very spiritual attack. But I got violently sick for two days. And then I remember Tuesday morning, I woke up, I went to the office, opened up the Bible, and it took me 30 minutes to read two verses. Because the moment I started reading, I just started crying. Because there was something so intimate about the word, and I've never encountered that. I've never had a value for the word in the level of intimacy that I was encountering. I didn't know it was possible. And it made me think of this video that I remember seeing years back and I was like, oh, I I get it now. I get this now. I just want you guys to take a moment. I want you to posture your hearts. I want you to watch this video and see the hunger and value for the word of God in this video. That's good. We we take for granted the word of God and how accessible it is. This was an underground church in China. It was actually a seminary school. Can you imagine 
being in a seminary school where what you had is sometimes they would take a Bible, they would rip out pages and they would take that page and hide it in their house and they'd read that page for like a week and then they would get back together and they would change and exchange it because the word of God was so precious that they were willing to die for it and they hid it in their hearts. I get that now. I understand that hunger. I don't ever want to take this word for granted. I don't want to live a life where I actually am okay to just be okay with what is given to me by the Lord. There's a level of nearness and intimacy in the word right now. And I think one of the biggest shifts that happen is it happened actually last night in worship. I was sitting there in worship and I heard God say, it was almost like it was, you know, you know when you hear the voice of the Lord, but it's you speaking, it's like an I statement, but you know God's actually saying it to you. The story of my life is written in these pages. Not the story of his life, the story of my life is written in these pages. And it felt like in that moment, something shifted where it wasn't just spending time with the father relationally, it was the father himself sitting there speaking to me in the clarity of a loving father, speaking truth and identity and the fullness of his desires over my life in that moment. Everything I need to know about myself and him is actually in this book. But it's also an invitation to experience and encounter him. And I don't know where you are with reading the word. I've... I honestly can't remember if I've ever responded to an altar call for reading the word of God because I don't know if anybody's ever given one. <laughs> but I don't think what he's doing with me is special and unique. It is for me, but I don't think it's exclusive. There's no way. He's not a respecter of men. Why don't you guys stand real quick? I have to have the word of God. I have to have it. I already read it this morning, but in worship, I just decided to read my proverb again for the day. And I just kept crying while reading it. It's, something's happening with the word of God right now. I'm not trying to memorize it. I'm not trying to learn in this moment from it. I'm not trying to get anything. It's honestly the most unselfish time I've ever approached the word of God. I'm approaching it because it's him. It's a living word and he's alive. And I'm approaching it because I want to be close to him.
Psalm 119.11 says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's pretty, almost seems obvious that the way that we can prevent ourselves from sinning against the Lord is to have his word hidden in our hearts. I actually believe temptations lose their ability when we're in the word. So what I want to do is I want to invite you to come forward if you have this thing stirring in you right now. And don't do it just because it's the right thing to do in a church. We don't need any of that. But if you want something to shift in your life when it comes to the word of God, if you want a hunger, in the kingdom, hunger is created by eating. In the natural Hunger is created when you don't eat. In other words, if I don't read the word of God, I'm going to lose my hunger for the word of God. But the more I eat, the more I read the word of God, the hungrier I'm going to get for it. And if you need something in your life to shift when it comes to the word of God, if you want this touch of intimacy, this revelation of the word, this encounter, this closeness, this nearness, this longing for the word of God in your life, if you want something to change in your relationship with the word of God, I want you to just come forward. Now, I'm not really going to have people come and pray for you. I'm going to let a couple of the prayer team walk around. And if you're highlighted or you really want prayer, you can stop somebody. But this is a you and him moment to say, God, I want this. I want this level of relationship with you. I want the word of God to be such my desire that I can't go a day without being in the word. I'm finding myself weeping hours after I've read because I just want more. I just want more. And so I begin to meditate and just think about the word that I know. And I haven't memorized the word of God very well, but I have scripture that plays in my mind and in my heart over all these years. And if I get this thought, it's like, I know that's in the word. I'll find it. I go after it. I want to know it. I want to be connected to it. It's an aspect of him that I want to be closer to. Now, if you did come forward, this is where I'm going to call you out. You better never show up here again without one of these in your hand. Because don't say, God, I want more of you, but I'm going to leave you on my bookshelf. I, I, I took account of this when this happened. I own 32 Bibles. I have 11 versions of the Bible. I have five in my office. I have two in my car. I have two that I carry in my bags at all times. And I have like 17 or something. I don't remember however many. I forgot how many. At my house. I don't want to be any place where I can't touch it. I can't encounter it. I can't be close to it. I can't pull it out and, and just have that moment with the word. So I'm just going to let this time be your time. You with your mouth, with your mouth, 
begin to just talk to him and say, God, I want the word. I want this longing in my life. God, I want desires. We will go after healing and all of these other things. Don't be afraid to ask and just contend and pull down and just with all of your heart's desire, say, God, I want your word. I want to be in your word. I want your word to be in me. I want the word to be the foundation of my day, how I live my life. I want it to be the most intimate times of my day. I want it to show me who you are in brand new ways. I want it to reveal more of who I am. God, I want the answers that you have hidden in these pages. I want the secrets, God. Lord, I want the intimacy and the nearness. God, I want to be so undone in your word that I don't think I can go another moment without it. God, I pray that there's a stirring in each one of these people that they do not allow anyone else to cry out louder than they cry out for your word. I pray for there to be an ownership of your desires right now that you speak to the Lord on your behalf on your desires for his word. Who cares who's standing next to you? Who cares if you're soft-spoken? This is time for you to say, God, I am, I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm saying I want it. Whatever it takes, I want it. Whatever it takes, I want it. Do whatever you have to do in me. Strip things out of my hands so that my hands are free to hold your word. You have to, you have to pray these things. You have to desire these things. It's your voice that matters right now. I can't pray for this more than you can. So I want you to take these next few minutes and I want you to just talk to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord and tell him what you want. And don't do it politely. Don't do it to the polite church for, oh, Father, I really want your word. You don't have to scream and yell for him to hear you. But you actually have to exercise your voice. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. So let your tongues cry out for life right now in the word of God. If we have any of the ministry team here, or core team, can you guys just walk around if it feels like somebody's highlighted to be prayed for, go ahead and pray for them. If you actually came today for a specific reason, like you came because you need healing, you need breakthrough. If you do not know the Lord, if this happens to be your first time in church and you actually don't know what I'm talking about because you know about him, but you don't know the Lord. If this is your first time and you're like, God, I need to have this God, this Father in my life, I want you to raise your hand right now. If that's you, find somebody up here with these yellow tags or red tags on their, on their lanyards and just tell them you need to pray with them. But this is a moment for you and the Lord now. And if you're here in the room and you didn't come forward, that's fine. Stay in a place of prayer. Keep this a place of longing and intimacy right now with the word of God. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. 
For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.